Welcome to Thank God It's Monday with Tony Aliogenarafel. Today we begin a series on personal finance, and I'll start by telling you a story. It's a tale of two houses. Ready? It's amazing the difference a good plan can make. The Winchester Mystery House is one of the most popular tourist attractions in San Jose, California. Built by Sarah Winchester, heiress to the Winchester Rifle Fortune, the house is huge with more than 116 rooms. But people do not visit the house because it is beautiful. They visit it because it is weird. Winchester built her house over the course of 32 years. From the time she started in 1884 until her death in 1922, she never stopped constructing. For the most part, she made things up as she went along. She built her home without a plan. And because there was no plan, the house had a lot of odd features. There are rooms with no entrances, stairways leading nowhere, windows in floors, and doors that open to nothing. The house is big, but it's a big mess. It's unsafe, confusing, and full of wasted potential. At the time Sarah Winchester was building her home in California, George Washington too was constructing his own estate in the mountains of North Carolina. Unlike Winchester, he hired the best architects and engineers of the time to design his potential home. And he followed their plan meticulously. Today, the home is known as the Baltimore Estate. At more than 175,000 square feet, it is the largest privately owned home in America. The estate is still in the Vanderbilt family. It employs hundreds of people and is the most popular tourist attraction in the state. So what's the difference between Winchester and Vanderbilt? One of the buildings had a plan and the other did not. You and I will probably never build mansions like Sarah Winchester and George Washington Vanderbilt, but each of us is building something. Our financial life is like a home that we build a little bit every day. With every decision we make and every dollar we spend, we add a brick to that house. If you build without a plan, you will end up with your own mystery house, one filled with waste, frustration, and missed opportunities. But if you get an expert plan and follow it faithfully, you build something beautiful that will endure for generations. God has an expert plan for your money that is designed to make your life peaceful, enjoyable, and impactful. So what exactly is God's master plan? It comes down to four simple things that God wants you to do with your finances. And they are providing for your family, practice generosity, prepare for the future, and enjoy and have fun. They appear simple but require a lot of work. Managing money is all about managing your priorities. There is a simple truth that we must embrace for us to enjoy financial peace, and that is that we own nothing. Ownership is a myth. God owns everything, and we are mere managers. But problems begin when we decide to own and refuse to manage. God's plan works when we align our priorities with God's priorities. This simple list I've just talked about reflects God's priorities regarding money and how he wants us to use it. Let's consider the first priority, providing for your family. This is pretty obvious, isn't it? God wants you to ensure that those who depend on you are well catered for. 
In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible says, and I quote, But if anyone does not provide for his own family, and especially for those in his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. End of quote. This may seem instinctive and simple for everyone to follow, but many stumble and struggle to do this. For some, it may be because they are not earning enough, but for most part, many simply do not do enough to plan their needs and manage their cash flow. Most people are not intentional about how they live. They live their lives on the whims of culture and bow to the pressures of its demand. Do not let culture dictate how you live. The Bible warns in Romans 12 too what not to do. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Distinguishing between wants and needs would help you to better manage whatever you have. Unless you are one of those individuals who make more money than you need, you hardly ever have enough for both wants and need at the same time. Because no matter how much you earn, your expenses rise to meet your income at all times. It's a law, the Parkinson's law. It says that expenses rise to meet income. Actually, long before Parkinson's was born, King Solomon said this in one of his wisdom literatures in the Bible. When goods increase, they increase who eats them. No matter how much comes into your hand, there will always be needs that rise to meet the new salary or income level you have just attained. So guess what? We do not have a money problem. No, we just have a self-control problem. Nobody really has a money problem. We all have a discipline problem. Here's why I know this to be true. Your current habit, if not changed, will follow you into your next level of income. You will always move your current spending habit into your next financial level. Therefore, what you have always done when you had 1 million is what you would do when you have 2 million. Your habit at 1 million, if not changed, will remain your habit at 2 million, and at 3 million, and at 10 million, and so on. And nothing will change that. So God encourages us to plan. Good planning and hard work leads to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts leads to poverty. That's a direct quote from Proverbs 21 verse 5. Hasty in this verse describes a person who jumps at purchases without a plan and without thinking through the consequences. The best tool for being intentional with your money is a budget. A budget is key to living intentionally. Before you can prioritize your spending, you must differentiate between your needs and wants. After determining your needs and wants, then you can create a plan for living within your means. This is vitally important to finding success in your personal finance situation. Everyone's life and circumstances are different, but our most basic needs are universal. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 8, and I quote, Having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. End of quote. Needs are items that you require to survive. In actuality, they are no more than four things. Food, water and toiletries to maintain good health. Number two, shelter, a roof over your head to protect you against the elements with the basic utilities to make the place functional. For many, this may come once a year. So in order not to be caught off guard, set aside some money for this expense item every month. Number three, clothing, just what you need to remain comfortable and appropriately dressed. And then number four, basic healthcare and hygiene. 
Of course, there are other things like transportation, children's school fees, taxes, etc. These are some of the key expenses you need to plan for first before paying for anything else. If you're struggling to determine whether a certain expense is a need or a want, ask yourself this clarifying question. If I don't buy this, will it mess up my life? If your answer is yes, then add it to your need list. The things you must take care of first before others. With your needs clarified, you have a good foundation for establishing a family budget. Very few people actually do comprehensive budgeting every month. Yet, a budget is the number one tool for bossing your money and aligning with God's priority for your finances. One way or another, you will budget, either intentionally or after the fact. Has this ever happened to you? You had a hundred quid at the start of the month, but in a matter of days, you had nothing left. And the sad thing is that you can't even seem to remember what you did with it. So in order to solve the mystery, you will take out a piece of paper and attempt to account for how you spent that money. Recalling and itemizing your expenses is reverse budgeting, a budget after the facts. However, if you had done that intentionally at the beginning, you would have had better control of the steering wheel of your finances. A budget is nothing more than a plan for giving, saving, and spending. It includes where the money will come from and how much is expected, as well as what expenses the money will be used to meet. A good budget takes care of your key needs first and also allows for the unexpected or occasional expenses. It will also help you to live within your means. We will discuss the second priority right after the break. Afifema is a deluxe fashion brand for today's woman. We aim to become a global fashion brand of class, femininity and sophistication with the ultimate goal of making women of all ages look and feel ageless. Visit us today at www.afifema.com Welcome back. The next is generosity. God hates abject poverty and he wants his children to provide for those who are needy within their communities. It's part of the blessing of work, giving us the opportunity to contribute to human flourishing. But practicing generosity is a struggle for many people because there are a number of misconceptions, arguments, and myths. J.I. Packard, in his book Knowing God, provides us with a great definition of generosity. He says generosity means the disposition to give to other people in a way that has no selfish motive and is not limited by what the recipient deserves, but continually go beyond it. Generosity is different from spontaneous or random giving. It is a cultivated habit. It's an expression of the radical freeing effect of true faith in Jesus Christ. Generosity is a matter of internal liberty that results in falling in love with people and falling out of love with things. Always remember this. All your income is not yours to consume on yourself. A portion of it is a seed for the blessing of others. Number three, prepare for the future. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 6 says, and I quote, Lazy people should learn a lesson from the way ants live. They have no leader, chief, or ruler, but they store up their food during the summer getting ready for winter, end of quote. In addition to providing for your family and practicing generosity, God wants you to prepare for the future. 
Planning ahead and saving a part of what we earn allows us to accomplish goals, prepare for the future, and be more effective in ministry. When we don't plan ahead and save money, we are more prone to get into debts, which the Bible tells us is unwise. Jesus' story of the ten virgins reminds us of the consequences of not planning well ahead and saving for the future. The five virgins with no savings were referred to as foolish because only fools consume everything they have today without preparing for tomorrow. King Solomon said, Whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Setting aside a percentage of your income monthly will prepare you for a predictable future with little or no stress. It will help you to take care of unexpected events and expenses. It will also prepare you for future projects and purchases as well as what to live on when you eventually retire and too old to work. People who manage their resources well leave a legacy for the next generation. It will enable you to empower your children and even grandchildren to continue making a difference with your money long after you're gone. In Proverbs 13:22, the Bible says, and I quote, A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. End of quote. Of course, there are plenty of wrong motives for saving, so let's save with the right motive. If we are saving money out of fear for the future, it shows we are not really trusting God to provide. And finally, number four, enjoy and have fun. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says, Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. End of quote. God wants you to enjoy your money. That may sound strange to a lot of people or even offend some, but the truth is right there in that scripture I just quoted. God is not a killjoy. He wants you to do whatever you do with your money for his glory and for your own good. So when you are planning how to enjoy your abundance, it's important to make sure that you are doing it in a life-giving and God-honoring way. Well, this way we come to the end of today's episode. Thank you for hanging with me today. Please remember to hit the subscribe button on my podcast and don't forget to spread the word. May the Lord crown your effort this week with success and give you a resounding testimony. Stay blessed. See you next week.